Hello and welcome to Access Chat. I'm delighted that we're joined today by Sean Mosley from NAVA. NAVA is a public benefit corporation. So for those of you that don't know, public benefit corporations aren't just there to make profit. In the UK, we would call this a community interest company. It's slightly different from B Corp because B Corp is a specific brand and, and certification. But Sean, tell us a bit about NAVA and the work that you're doing with government on making, and, and of course, government requires accessibility. So tell us about yourself, how you came to be in the space. Welcome. Yeah, well, first, thanks everyone for having me on. It is absolutely a pleasure. Um, my name is Sean Mosley, pronouns are he, him. I am uh, based in Atlanta, Georgia in the U.S., and um, I've been at NAVA for about two years now, and NAVA is a government software vendor. So like any time that different services that the government would offer and they're looking for contractors, we would look to apply. Uh, and specifically focusing on services that serve the public and any needs that they might have. Um, and so one of the biggest ones, uh, services that we've like, been known for contributing to is healthcare.gov and um, working with the VA as well. So those are really interesting things for us. And the way that I've like gotten into it of like, I started off my career as a software engineer, then went into design and recognizing the more human aspect going beyond the technology. And one of the things that really strikes me and like I really love about NAVA and just like thinking about government services as a whole is we don't have the option to choose who our audience is and who we want to serve. We have to serve everyone. And so that truly means that we are accessible and including everyone from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've seen this when we've been talking to you know a number of our sort of UK government counterparts. So we've we've had our government heads of accessibility on, and and, and that's one of the the key things is that you, you you can't segment the market because the market's everyone, and therefore you need to build for everyone. So uh, I mean, there obviously you know you said you got into the more human side of things, and you know actually you know people think that that government work is you know the, the the boring end of town. It's you know you're not you're not making a whizzy new app. You know you don't have a fruity logo, um, it, it, you know, or lickable buttons or anything like that. But at the same time, actually, you're going to have to do and yeah, a lot of work. And Deborah put, typed in the chat assumption that there's no innovation, and actually that's not the case. Actually, there's an awful lot of stuff and, and and thought that needs to go into making these services good. So 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 what was it that, that really sort of lit the fuse for you about sort of getting into sort of human-centered design and then from there into designing sort of uh, accessibility first? Yeah, great question. A, it was basically like as a software engineer and not a knock. Uh, to any software engineers at all. But um, for me, I felt like I was just pushing ones and zeros. And I was like, well, what am I doing this for? There's There's gotta be a greater reason behind why I'm creating software in the first place. Um, and so I ended up 
going to grad school and then I got introduced to human centered design. And while being introduced to that process, I also was introduced to this idea of universal design. And one of the points that it really hammered home is if you serve the needs of those who have the most need, then you will serve the needs for all. Um, and that and thinking about how we can serve for everyone, it, it really, really struck for me. And then also as a black man in America, I've been able to connect on the idea of being excluded and knowing what it's like to not be centered and, and to have part of my identity ignored. And so I definitely empathize and relate to different aspects from that side of people who have been disabled and have been left out. So it's been very personal for me and, and I've been able to relate. And now I'm able to like fold it in and make sure that like everyone gets included and, and that we are not leaving anyone out and creating any more harm. So uh, Sean, uh, in many um, you know, governments and countries operate differently, you know, um, in UK and many European countries, accessibility is something that is at the heart of government. So the trigger comes from inside. So government wants to make their service accessible and they use procurement and they act on that. So can you tell us a little bit how it works in the United States? Where is the trigger to make government services accessible? That's a good question. And I would say, honestly, I'm probably not the best expert on knowing everywhere. <laughs> Deborah is waving her hand. So I, was I, say, I can help address that because one thing that we do in the United States is um, we have, you know, a lot of businesses in the United States of all different sizes work with our government. And so we have schedules um, and Sean will know there's like a schedule 70. There's a ton of schedules, but how the schedules work are those are the kind of uh, projects they're associated with. And so one thing that we found early on was that they weren't asking anybody in the, all of these procurements that were coming out to be accessible, or I should say, to be Section 508 compliant, because that's what we'd be talking about with the U.S. government. And so um, we are trying to blend it into the procurement in the United States, but we still have not done it. We still are putting out procurements that do not require the vendors to make the products accessible. It's amazing, because who gets hurt? We get hurt, the community, but also the government has to pay multiple times to get things right. So I just wanted to point that out real quick. So uh, back to you, Sean. Yeah, no, I, I definitely appreciate that, Deborah. That definitely helps paint the full context because it is kind of a landscape to where government wants things to be accessible, but government also doesn't have that internal knowledge all the time. And like government also like that is a big term and there are different levels of federal versus state versus local. And so there, there's it's a lot of nuance and complexity to it. Uh, but the way that it does work in the U.S. is that like when a government entity goes and applies and says like, hey, we have a bid out and we want partners to work with us and build it for us. Um, we as NAVA are able to like come to the table and say like we have the ex accessibility expertise and knowledge. We have the experience having thought that out. And so we help to bri bridge that gap for 
any government partners that might not have that accessibility knowledge. And for those that have accessibility knowledge, we're able to pair with them and move things even further. So to, to, to follow on that question, so in the projects that you have been involved with and working with, what is the narrow feeling? Are you, do you feel that they are calling you at the right time or sometimes they are calling you a little bit too late? That's a good question. I, I feel like it's, it's a bit of a learning process all around of you know how does government work because there's there's a very big um belief in in, in idea i i would at least say in in the us that like government is slow incompetent and unable to do things but i would say like some of the hardest working people that i've seen some of the smartest people that i've gotten to know are public servants and working and they are absolutely passionate about making things accessible and getting getting it to where everyone can get it but there's different hurdles that they do face um and so i think while we are working within those constraints our partners are definitely very good about when to call us in and how to leverage our expertise to help everyone solve the needs that like we originally set out for and making sure the service provides what we were aiming for it to provide And those are, by the way, very good questions, very hard questions, Antonio, you're asking, Sean, because, you know, we're, our beautiful um, government's a little messy here in the United States, but we we have been working on it. We have been working on it, and we have seen some interesting things come out of our Depart- Department of Homeland Security, which I might be wrong, but we there used to be 23 agencies involved with um, our national uh, our. Um, but I might be wrong. It's, you know, things are always changing, but they actually put together a, uh, a testing program at the, um, you know, at the Department of Homeland Security so that we could, the government could actually tell if what we were saying to them as vendors was true. Are we really being accessible? And once again, accessible is not the right word to use. Now we got to use the word compliant. Are we compliant to Section 508, which of course complements WCAG 2.1, right? Mm-hmm. Neil making a face like, yeah, yeah. you're not. And we're not, we're not. But there is actually quite a bit that has been done in our government. Um, as Sean said, a lot of these public leaders, they really want to do the right thing. They're very committed, but I would say, and, and they've tied this into scorecards for leader, government leaders. We have done a lot, but I would think a lot of people think that right now in the United States, we're not focusing at all supporting the government. We're all about supporting corporations because that's the only conversations I hear anymore. And so when Sean had reached out to me and we were talking about it, I thought, well, good. I'm glad somebody's in there. We, I just am not seeing the conversations as much. And I said that to you, Neil, before we went on air and you're like, well, that's not happening in the UK. Yeah. Or, or Europe for that matter. So, so actually, Right, um, you know, because of the way that, that you know we've got some slightly more re- uh, recent legislation for right. um, public sector, which has really sort of lit a fire underneath some of it. So we've got the the, the public sector web accessibility duty. So all of like the public facing web and publicly funded web in UK and Europe has to be accessible. Um, there's reporting on that. Most of the countries have reported. We won't 
we won't necessarily shame those that haven't yet. <clears throat> Portugal. Um, uh, sorry, Antonio. Uh, couldn't resist it. And, and, and then... Um, and Ireland. And Ireland. So you got a double, a double hit. Antonio, we blame you then. It's your fault, yeah. It's entirely your fault. Um, so that's happening. And then you've got the, the, the European Accessibility Act coming in. So... Uh, legislation and, and, and is driving it. That the, the second act is private sector as well, though. So, um, right. but a lot of work has been done in the UK, particularly. You've got government digital service, which was really, you know, quite innovative in terms of the approach um, and user research and everything else. So, so we know that innovation can exist in, in, in the public sector. Yeah. Um, that said. If I may, I wanted to, yeah. to interject, as you mentioned, the mm -hmm. um, digital service team. Um, Gov.UK has been an excellent inspiration for us um, mm -hmm. uh, stateside of looking at what mm -hmm. is possible inside of government. And so, like, wanted to give one kudos to that team and, and what they have started in setting the trend and moving things forward. And additionally, um, also giving kudos to like different partners that I have worked with to where they also have embedded accessibility teams. And not only is it dedicated accessibility teams, but they've also hired people with disabilities. So when I'm going through and I'm testing a design and I'm considering for a screen reader, yes, that is a good test to do, but I am not the user. I don't know how to use a screen reader. I don't know what it's like. So being able to one, actually hire people with disabilities and to have that expertise to really be in the room and weigh mm -hmm. in is super powerful. And like, uh, that is another way that government partners are, really can empower and move forward with their accessibility efforts. Absolutely. I, I mean, I was just wanted to come back to the, the, the topic about compliance for a moment, because, uh, and particularly we're 508 compliant, that, that phrase, right? Because, you get that a lot from vendors, and, and, and actually what they mean is we've filled out the VPAT form. We have an accessibility non-conformance statement, um, and I think that what then happens is that the, the procurement professionals here, we're compliant, here's our statement, job done. And, and, and so we know that this happens, and we've been working with our procurement teams and others to help raise the the awareness of, of actually how to sense check these things we're not expecting people in procurement to suddenly become accessibility experts but they can read a document and go oh that's a red flag and then they can engage the accessibility uh, professionals to do this stuff and then the other point that you just raised which i think was i've seen some really interesting debate on linkedin just some comments on linkedin derek featherstone who's a salesforce posted something about Actually, not every disabled person wants to be in the accessibility team. So, so uh, I mean, uh, so I have two disabilities, and you know, I work with people with disabilities. But my work in the accessibility team is to enable people with disabilities not to work in our team, but to be able to work and do stuff everywhere. And and I think that we need to, of course, welcome people because we design with and not for. But, but and the stuff that you're doing is functional testing, and then we go to the community for the for the user testing because of the, if you're looking at compliance, it's against standards and it's against expected 
performance and behaviors, and you need to do that in a certain way. Compliance with WCAG or with 5i still doesn't mean that it's usable. So you need the pair of them to have a really good end result. Exactly. And I'm, I'm very glad that you corrected my comment and, and added in because it, there's definitely nuance to it of, you know, not just bringing someone in uh, because the, again, this is where like I see the overlap between my race and how that plays out to where yeah. it's, oh, well, Sean's black. So we should just have him do all of the things during Black History Month. And it's just like, eh, I, I I have a couple of other identities beyond just being black. I don't just have to do things during Black History Month. And and that very much goes for the same with hiring people with disabilities. They're, they don't only live lives of disability. They have other aspects of life that are valuable and important to them and that they have expertise to share with. So um, the, the, and that, that's one of the, like, I read an article recently that was saying hire people with disabilities. And the caveat there is don't just hire them to to speak for disability, right. hire them because they have expertise in different areas and can speak to that. Um, I love so, that. Yeah. So it's about identity too. It is. It's about breaking down. I mean, we have our she, her, hers, and he, him. And it's funny, Sean, because I have... Um, people outside the U.S. that sometimes makes fun of the U.S. because, you know, we're picking apart. What does it mean to be she, her? Do you have to tell? Well, I also really appreciate the young people doing that because, you know, what I, Sean, hate about the United States is that you will be treated differently than I will be treated because I'm a white older woman. So because I'm an older woman, I get even more of a pass. I used to get a pass as a white woman younger, but an older white woman and purple hair. Oh my God. So that's great. But at the same time, something is wrong with that because I have a beautiful friend of mine who just went through a divorce and she is an African-American woman. And she was told you are a successful black woman. Do not go up to the judge and act like you're all that. Now, if you're a white woman, you could do that, but you have to not get a lawyer. You have to act super humble. Oh my God. She had to completely be a different person. So they would not take everything away from her because of her horrible husband. But obviously I took her side, not the husband. But the point is if I had had the exact, if I'd done the exact same thing, I have a different experience. That is wrong. Sorry, but it's wrong. No, I mean, I, and I mean, I thank you for standing up and speaking out against that. Like, that is exactly what we ought to do to combat everything. And and there's so many overlapping and, and like different aspects of oppression that show up to where one day or in one light as a white woman, like you're ahead. And then the next light looking at pay difference, you're behind. And it's just like there's so many different ways to where we're privileged one second and then oppress the next um and so definitely and speaking for everyone to no longer be oppressed yeah right and sean how does that tie into you caring about human-centered design and software and the government it ties majorly into that right majorly Absolutely. and that i believe makes you a better vendor as well because 
I know that when the United States government, and it's probably the same way in Europe and the UK, but when we put out the big procurements here in the United States, the government procurements, they are big. They're a lot of money and they are, they can take a small business like mine and really stabilize it, right? So all of a sudden, everybody becomes accessibility experts, which by the way, is not true. So, but I also would sort of say this to you, Neil, maybe, um, and Antonio, um, in that one thing I wish that we were doing more of, and I might just be not knowing what's going on. That's very possible with everything I've walked. But um, why is the United States government not working with the UK government and the Canadian government and the European government so that we all can benefit from what everybody's doing? Okay, go ahead. I, 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 have, I have a take on on that. Uh, if I look historically to people that were hired hired at central government. Uh, in in United States and compare them w- with the people that they hire in other parts of the world. Okay, uh, some something that is, sometimes there's been a kind of a, people hiring to, to in, in U.S. government services. They are very very well connected to consumer services. They they have a kind of a career path that went to consumer services. Okay, and then they bring that experience to government. However. A citizen is not a consumer, okay? So everyone, you know, when you deliver services for government, you, everyone needs to be able to use the services. If I don't like, if I'm in the consumer side, well, if this brand doesn't appeal to me or is not accessible, I can go to the other one. But in government, I don't have a choice. And this is, I believe, one of the reasons uh, why sometimes uh, the U.S. government has not has been doing what they could do because of that perspective. Because we don't share? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, I, and, and I mean, I think there's, like, there's a several things, and, and, it, and this, like, also allows me to, like, loop back to one of the other points before of 508 compliance, where it's, one, there's the idea that, like, we're, it's just checkbox yeah. thinking of, like, oh, yep, we did it, it's accessible, like, send it out, versus the actual aspect of, caring and thinking of like, why is 508 a responsibility in the first place? And how are we actually achieving it, which is going to be a cultural change and will take a lot of energy. And I mean, hopefully, you know, this conversation can help to start and drive that to where it's more about actually solving for people and not just filling in a checkbox and actually caring. So um that would be it. And Neil, I will yeah. let you jump in. Okay. Yeah. So I, I think um, I am a friendly critic of gov.uk. Um, I think they've done some some really good stuff. They make the best forms that I've ever had to use. So in terms of um, you know being able to apply for stuff. So I'm dyslexic and ADHD. Forms are my Achilles heel, right? I, I, I would, you know, procrastinate for days about form filling and, and and get it wrong multiple times. But the way that they design forms and process is really good. What I would say is that not everything on gov.uk, when it's informative, needs to be just this wall of text. Because, my God, as a dyslexic person, it's you know it's hard to absorb and it's boring right so 
you know, we want to engage citizens as well as as serve them. But the transactional services they do are, are really, you know, very good. So I was able to, you know, renew my passport in a flow process that took me 25 minutes. It uploaded my photo. It did facial recognition. It took my old ones. It told me what to do. My passport arrived within 10 days and 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 everything was done. Same every time I move house i have to renew my driver's license and and everything like that four days my new driver's license turned up wow right you know printed out photo all the works um so it drives efficiency within government that's good for the taxpayer it's you know and making it easy and making it cognitively accessible because actually a lot of this is not just about does it work with screen readers but for the large part of the, the the population Actually, that we've got really low reading age, right? I've actually got quite a high reading age despite my dyslexia. But, but a large part of the po- population are, are sort of actually at sort of you know eleven have a reading age of around eleven years old. Mm-hmm. And so, when we're making complex language and complex forms, we're we're um, making it difficult for people to transact with government, and that's expensive. That costs the government money. So, so we're cognitively inaccessible. We're we're being inaccessible to to people that don't consider themselves to be disabled, but it's an accessibility issue. And, and I think when we compare this, again, I'm referring back to something I saw just the other day, was that um, someone was talking about their experience renewing their passport with the Canadian government. And, <laughs> and they were saying, what they do is there's an online form where you register and you put in your details, and then you can expect a call back at some random time in the next 48 hours. For them to then do an appointment and take your details over the phone, and I was thinking, how how sort of customer unfriendly is that? I mean, obviously they're polite, they're Canadian, uh, but, <laughs> but but every you know well, we're working, so I'm in meetings for you know nine ten hours a day, so I just what randomly expect a phone call, so. That that sort of stuff, I think, you know, digital services can be really empowering and, and really useful. So so I think that that putting the thought in and the design and making it cognitively accessible and broadly usable has not only, you know, benefits for the government and the individuals, but benefits for the wider society because it's saving us taxpayers money. And we, we ought to be recognizing that this is this design is an investment <laughs> exactly and one thing i want to highlight that i like loved absolutely the most that you framed there neil is mm-hmm. the idea of being a friendly critic um because it's very easy to like slip into thinking like government is bad or government is good but it's like it's so much more to it and there are people that are working, like I mentioned at the beginning, like public servants, they want to serve. They want to see their community do well too. Um, but there are different things that it's not being done as well. And so it's just to say, not that anything is like easily good or bad on one side, but the fact that we are able to say, hey, we have done a great job pushing here and we've gotten 508. Like that is a great step, but we're not meeting everyone's needs. And we are leaving a lot of people out and doing more harm. So how can I help you? And not that, oh, you're not serving them and government bad, but no, 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 friendly critic. I want you to succeed so that we can all succeed. So I definitely love that framing that you put there, Neil. 
And that was really good how you said it too, Sean. And I wonder, I, as as Neil was talking about what he went through, I I'm think I was started thinking a little bit also. People are really afraid right now. I think we can all agree. All over the world, people are confused and afraid. It's horribly intense times. Um, and so, if a government asks me to fill out a form. I know here in the United States, I'm just going to speak for myself. A lot of Americans are afraid of our government um, and there's parts of our government I'm afraid of. And so I, um, you know, I try to look at our government as a whole, like Sean said, there's a lot of amazing, amazing people in our government, mostly 99.9% are amazing people, but yeah, anyway, but when you make, if I'm speaking to government, when you make these forms so complicated, then it actually starts making, just speaking as an American, it starts making us feel stupid. And it starts making Americans feel like we're incompetent and we don't know what we're doing. And it adds another level, I think, of distrust between us and our government. So if we could all just make sure that Sean is in the room when the government is building anything so that we can be fully accessible, that will actually help our relationship with our government. I think, I don't know. I'm just, that's what I think based on some of the things you are saying. So I was just, what do you think, Sean? Yeah. I mean, I think that that is entirely true and uh, and I mean, I think like my answer to everything is there's nuance and complexity um, and we we always want to jump to like simplification, but it's like it's not as it's not as so because uh, and that's one thing I've learned at Novice, like how many levels and, and how complex government is like even right. at this, the fact that like government, there is federal, state and uh, local levels. There's also different agencies inside of it. And so thinking about like, you know what how how do all and and also who are the actual humans that are doing the work like there are people doing it and so like how can i connect with them on that note but yeah and antonio i know i know you've been ready to chime in no um I, I was about to comment on on on, on Neil's thing on the Canadian uh, passport. You know, no, we get the call. Oh, you want the jackpot? You know, lucky you. You you are the beneficial beneficial of a of a brand new passport. Uh, but you know, I, <laughs> so <laughs> just uh, I on the tech, moving the, the conversation to the technology side. Uh, I would like to, to get from you and to share with our audience. Uh, what are the things that you have seen lately of, over the last couple of months that you find in, in terms of technology that you find, okay, there's something here really new that can help me to improve the way I, I design, the way I, I make accessibility better, or even just how we test things. What are the technologies that you have seen that, uh, that were able to caught your eye? That's a good question. I think I would say like, which I, this is partially like a, a dodgy question of like, I'm not even, I, I, I think I don't follow like the technology itself as much, as much as I, I, I really follow like the people um, and seeing where everyone is and how how different communities come together and, and what we can do to uplift one another. Because one of the the things that like I've recognized is I'll often be passionate about a, a topic or something. And then I will immediately jump in and think, 
wow, this problem exists. So no one has thought about it. I'm going to jump in and I'm going to solve it myself. Huh. Um, but yeah, so and, I mean, it's it, it's very common to, to like slip into that thinking. And so what I have done and recognized is like it's it's not even just the technology or any new specific app or anything that's out, but more of like being able to connect with people that are already doing it and being able to think like, man, I really want more uh, light brought to accessibility and stuff. Wait a minute. I know Deborah Rue on uh, LinkedIn. I should reach out and make that connection. And like now we're here and starting to build up the thing. So like, yeah, I don't have new technology that I'm interested in, but I'm always excited to meet people that are doing just doing great things. Okay. I mean, yeah. we I have one more comment yeah. before. Oh, we, go on, Deborah. If you don't mind. <laughs> Wasn't it great when I wasn't here for a couple weeks? Okay, sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't so disruptive. Just um I also wanted to just point something out that Sean said at the beginning, but most a lot of people wouldn't have heard it. So one thing that is also just interesting about the United States government, and by the way, any other government, is that we have our government, as Sean has said, we've got federal, state, local. But think, but then even if you back up and just look at our federal. We have so many agencies and then we have quasi agencies and it's and and guess what, everybody, every single one of those agencies are deciding how they are going to interpret whether or not Section 508 is compliant. Every one of them. And so it's some of them, like the Department of Homeland Security that has multiple agencies, they're doing something together and they they are sharing. But Sean mentioned that they were working, I, I believe I heard you say the VA and the, the VA, the Veterans Administration, they really do care about this because guess what? Their members are impacted. But and like our Social Security Agency has done a good job. GSA's done a good job. Uh, labor's done a good job. But. I just wanted to point that out in that it is not equal. Don't think that everybody's doing it the same. It's not. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, but that's, I think that's the same the world over because we, I, I mean, despite having gov.uk and having government digital service guidelines and all of this stuff, or actually CDDO now, which is Cabinet Digital, Richard Morton will kill me because I've got the letters the wrong way around. Um, how you determine your compliance with those implementations and everything else is diff and that's why I think that we're getting to the point where countries need to follow the Canadian example, not their passport service, but the idea of having a chief accessibility officer uh, and a commissioner for accessibility so that you can start to have some kind of harmonized approach to this stuff because that fragmentation is 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 problematic it makes it difficult and etc so i mean sean if you want to make a final comment before you we close that would be great uh yeah no i mean i think one again thanks for having me on i'm super glad to talk about this uh and represent nava um and we nava can be found at navapbc.com um and I mean, I think I would just like one remind everyone, like as Deborah just highlighted, you know, the government is very fractured and has it's a lot of complexity in it. Um, but 
we are also here to talk about it. And as Neil mentioned earlier, being friendly critics and being able to figure out how can we not only like just critique, but also help move the things forward um, and actually engage with our government. So that I think that would be my, my closing thoughts there. Excellent. So, well, thank you very much. It, it, looking forward to you joining us on social media and continuing the conversation. We need to think, uh, thank, not think. Uh, we need to thank My Clear Text for keeping us um, captioned and accessible um, and look forward to it. So thank you very much, Sean. It's been a real pleasure. Awesome. Thank you all. Great job, Sean.